0: Hey, uh, welcome all of you. My name is Alan. So glad that you're here, uh, that you've chosen to worship with us here um, this morning. We are in a we're in a series, kind of all year, called the whole shebang, and we're looking at the overall grand epic story of God, the big overall story, and the part of the story that we're in right now. Um, if you have a binder, is the is the sixth of seven tabs, and it's called the unwritten, and it's our story. These lamps here represent our journey, our life that we have, we're we're at some point in our journey, we have previous episodes uh, before us and episodes in front of us, and we get to decide what we do with our unwritten story as we invite God to speak into how that's going to look. And and this morning, as we look at our unwritten story and how that fits in the whole shebang and the grand epic overall scheme of things, what we're looking at today is that our role is unique. Our role in the whole shebang is is unique. Now the word unique sometimes has a negative spin to it. We, we get to decide whether the word unique is a positive thing or a negative thing. Sometimes we use it in a negative way because we don't know what else to say. Somebody says, do you like my new hairdo? We say, well, it's very unique. And we all know what that means. It's kind of like the word different. It's different. And, and hey, thanks for coming to check out my new band. What'd you guys think? Well, it's it a unique sound. It's really unique. I mean, the way you mix those screeches there throughout that was really pretty cool and and so unique it kind of sometimes may have a negative uh, spin but I think typically the word unique has a positive angle on it typically we use unique to describe something in a positive way because we want to live life uniquely I mean we want to have a unique experience of life we don't want a cookie cutter version of life we don't want what everyone else is happening we want something that is unique about our journey. We don't want to have the same house as everyone else on our block even if six of the, of the 12 homes in your block are the same exact design. There's something about you that wants to make your house unique in some way. We want our job to be unique in some way. We want our marriage to be unique in some way. Our experience of our kids to be unique in some way. It's the unique things so often that get attention that that get uh, awards, that get published, that you're not gonna get published if you write an article about the fact that water is good for you. No one's really gonna, no one's really gonna pounce on that. But when you start to get evidence that that uh, Twix candy bars can uh, cure cancer or something like that, you're gonna start to get some attention for that. It's the unique stuff that often grabs our attention. And sometimes a desire for unique blends into our faith as well. I've heard people say that they're not interested in Christianity because it's, they're kind of overly surrounded by it, that it seems like at, at some points in our journey, sometimes we're, we're kind of surrounded by Christians. And that guy in the cubicle next to me, he's a Christian. I'm not sure if I like his ringtone. And so I'm not sure I want to be a part of that group. Uh, or maybe there's uh, a cousin of yours who is one of those Christians and you kind of think, yeah, I'm not sure I want to be a part of of that. I want to be more unique in my faith. Sometimes people might even say, I believe in most of what you believe uh, as an individual or as a church, but I have a few things that are a little bit different because I want to be unique. And those different things, those are the places that make me better. Sometimes, right? I mean, there's this desire for unique that's sometimes part of our journey as we look at our role in the in the whole shebang as we look at the remaining episodes of our lives God wants to do something unique with you it's not a cookie cutter piece it's not that that there is this list of seven ways for you to live out the rest of your life you just need to identify one of the seven and live it out as best as you can dag numb it Whatever that is, I mean there is there is a uniqueness God has fearfully and wonderfully and beautifully created you to have a unique role in the in uh, in the whole shebang journey it's that that we're going to talk about uh, this morning. Would you bow your heads with me real quick and we'll invite the power of God to move here God I'm thankful that you are present and um, I'm thankful that you can speak to all of our hearts at the same time. I am but one voice. And so, God, in this place, I pray that you would speak, that your Holy Spirit would would come and translate whatever needs to be translated so that there is a unique message, that there is a unique invitation and challenge and encouragement that you have for each one of us. Speak to our hearts, we pray this morning. Come, come, in Jesus' name we pray, amen. This morning, I wanna take a look at two verses, and that's it, they're found in the book of Isaiah. If you brought your Bible, I invite you to turn to Isaiah. We're gonna look at two verses in chapter 43 of Isaiah. Isaiah is one of the easiest books in the Bible to find because you just go to the middle. Just go right to the center, and you'll probably land on Isaiah, or Proverbs, which is why I landed here. Then if, I land, if you land on Proverbs, just go a little bit to the right, okay? <clears throat> Other than that, it's one of the easiest uh, books in the Bible to find. Okay, Isaiah chapter 43. And I'll respectfully wait for the ruffling of pages, which I love to hear. Glad you're bringing your Bibles. Uh, Isaiah chapter 43, beginning in verse 18. Isaiah writes, Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. Verse 19. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the desert and streams in the wasteland. This year it comes in Isaiah chapter 43. And if you've been part of the whole shebang, you may remember that earlier on in our journey, we talked about a significant thing that happens in the book of Isaiah. Does anyone know what happens between chapters 39 and 40 in the book of Isaiah? Anyone kind of... Remember, oh yes, oh, oh yes, what is that, what is that? I'll give you a hint. It's the second tab in your binder. Little help, little help there. The second tab in your binder, the second section we looked at in February of this year, is the exile. The exile is this hugely significant part of the Israel story, of the story of God that so often we're, we're not familiar about. They don't make movies so much about the exile. We're familiar with the exodus and crossing the, the, when the, the parting of the Red Sea and they cross through the Red Sea. We're less familiar with the exile. The exile is the time where prophets of God were saying to the people of God who now had power in Jerusalem. They had their own city, Jerusalem. They were a, a, a grand, respected nation, and they didn't think they needed God anymore. And so they were living life and the prophets were saying you got to remember who's your God. Please, please, warning, warning, remember who your God is. Do not forget his laws and his precepts and his commandments. Remember, please, warning, if you don't change your ways, you're going to you're going to he's going to wipe you out. He is going to He's going to scatter you from this city from Jerusalem and they're saying, "No, nah, don't believe you." And it was going warning, 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 warning up until chapter 39 of Isaiah, warning, and then between chapters 39 and 40, there's this event called the exile where God scatters the people of his people around the neighboring areas. And then do you remember how chapter 40 starts? The very first word in chapter 40. Turn turn there just real quickly if you have your Bible. What's the first word in chapter 40? I heard it, comfort. Comfort. We talked about this earlier in the year that God says, warning, warning, don't do it. Warning, don't do it. You know that's not going to be healthy for you. Warning, 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 warning. And then the instant that we step into that, comfort comes. The very first thing God offers is comfort. He doesn't let make us hold out for a big period of time and sit back and say, I told you so. You're going to have to wallow in that for a while. He brings his comfort right away. After, warning, 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 warning. This is such a central element to the whole shebang, to the overall story. Because the overall story is about restoration. And the metaphor that God uses throughout the Bible is the restoration of Israel. He created a nation called Israel through Father Abraham. And then this nation goes into exile and then God promises a Messiah who would restore Israel. Jews today are still hoping for and longing for and excited about a coming Messiah. As Christians, we believe that that Messiah came in the form of a carpenter named Jesus Christ. That God sent the Messiah to come and restore humanity. But the nation of Israel was not restored. That's still part of the story. That's what happens in the end. What we're going to see in the next few weeks as we look at the end section of the whole shebang is that God restores the nation of Israel. What we'll see in the book of Revelation is that there is a new Jerusalem. It's a very important part of the story. It's the restoration of Israel, and that is a big old metaphor for the restoration of us. That the whole shebang is about us having a restored relationship with God, that there is a, a, a restoration of humanity. That as we look at our journeys and we say, okay, where, where am I on this, on this spectrum here? that we have pieces in front of us that have um, wounded us, lies that we believe, parts of our previous episodes that that have shaped us to where we are today. And God wants to do a work of restoration in your life, in our lives. That's what he says. Here he says, see, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I'm making a way in the desert and streams in the wasteland. Any of you perhaps feel emotionally or spiritually that you are in the desert? And God says, I, I want to make a way in that desert. I want to I restore that sense of, of being in the desert. I want to restore that to a beautiful place and bring, bring streams into that, overflowing with regard to the, your future episodes of your life. The point that I want to make this morning here is that your story is a restoration story. That you are not limited by your past, but God wants to do a new thing in your life. God wants to do a new thing through you. Let me jump back to these two verses here and read read verse 18 once again. Forget the former things, Do not dwell on the past. Forget the former things. That's not like the pen in Men in Black where you just kind of go, and everything is just completely cleared out and our memory is completely gone. It didn't exist. That's not not what we say. We we can't just wipe out what happened prior to where we are in, in our journey. Plus, we're not supposed to wipe out the good stuff. We remember what God has done. That's what the Exodus story is about. In the Old Testament, we read over and over again that the writers say, remember what God has done. He's the one who did this for us, that freed us from slavery. Remember what God has done. Remember what God has done. Remember the good stuff. But it's about letting go, as far as the former things, it's about letting go the rough stuff, the bad stuff, the wounds, the pain from our past, things that we've done or things that have been done to us. And the way we've been talking about that the last few weeks, but the way that we do that is through this powerful biblical concept of forgiveness. That if we offer forgiveness to those who have hurt us, and we seek forgiveness from those whom we have hurt, then we can move on. We just move on. There's nothing to see here. Just keep moving. Keep moving. You don't have to look at the carnage on the side of the road. Just keep moving. Keep moving. But if we have not entered into forgiveness, again, for what we have done or for what has been done to us, then we will stay there. We will stay there. Sometimes we withhold forgiveness because it's it's the last power that we have in a difficult situation. And we want to we want to harm somebody else, so we withhold forgiveness. I'm not going to forgive you because I want you to still be in pain. But that's not the way it works. If we withhold forgiveness from someone else, who is being harmed in that situation? We are. We are. We don't hurt somebody, they often don't care. It's us that we're hurting when we withhold forgiveness. We know that. As adults, we know that. We get that. We can tell other people that. But we so often forget that in the middle of our own story. God says, you're not limited by your past. I want to make a, I want to do a new thing in you. I want to do a new and unique thing in you. See, because God is about doing new things. He's about doing new things. Six times in the Psalms, it says, sing a new song. The, the writers say, we will sing a new song, The old songs are great. Classic songs are great. Hymns are great. They can connect with a very deep part of us, and they can stir up memories. That's a beautiful thing, absolutely. But keep singing new songs, because God is continually doing new things. So continue to sing, either literally or metaphorically, new songs, you ever notice that God, God does not repeat himself? He doesn't repeat miracles. He does new stuff all the time. You ever notice that? That uh, that the Bible is filled with miracles and these incredible stories, and he doesn't perform the same show over and over again? That in the Old Testament, he is going to speak to Moses through a burning bush, and then in the New Testament, he's going to feed 5,000 people with five loaves and two fishes, and then back in the Old Testament, he's going to shut the mouths of hungry lions and protect Daniel, and then in the New Testament, he's going to walk on water in the middle of a storm, and in the Old Testament, he is going to defeat an army of over 100,000 men with Gideon's small army of 300 men, wow, and then in the New Testament, he's going to raise Lazarus from the dead, really cool stuff, and then in the New Testament, he is going to to redirect a prophet named Jonah by putting him in a big fish, by sending him through a big fish, sending him somewhere else. God doesn't do things, doesn't repeat himself. Puts him in a big fish. Big fish. Reminds me of something. Reminds me of a story. Um, Not sure if I've taken the time to share it with you. No, 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 I'm not going to tell you that story. I'm not going to tell you that story. Now, wait a minute, wait a minute. What I just did was rude, was rude because there may be some new people here. And out of respect for new people, I don't wanna have like an inside joke. That's very, very, very demeaning and and, and kind of alienating. So out of respect for the new people, I'm a little uncomfortable doing this, but I just wanna show a picture of, uh, of a fish that I caught a little ways back. It's a 480 pound marlin, thank you, yeah little embarrassed to do that but you see unlike me God doesn't feel the need to repeat himself over and over and over again he doesn't tell the same stories over and over and over again God is a God of creativity and uniqueness and he wants to do new things and that's who God is and that's what he's put inside you that's what he's put inside us He's built that in us, a desire to do new and unique things. It's actually what makes humans unique among all God's creation. What makes us unique is our desire to be unique. That other animals, they don't really care about this. I mean, a bird will make a nest, and it is a beautiful nest. And it's perfectly rounded, and it's the right size for the little birdlings and they're all, they're all doing their thing and it's just in the right place so that no one could get to it and it's a beautiful thing that a bird makes a nest but you know those birds have been making that same exact nest for centuries they make that same nest no birds say to one another you know this just doesn't cut it anymore I want a stronger nest can we build this out of a different material those sticks are kind of poking in on me and my little birdlings that I love so much no birds say, say we want to make it softer. No no birds say, you know, I'm jealous of, of Tweety two doors down who's got a bigger nest than, than I do, so I want to build something different. I want a different color of a nest. Birds don't do that. Beavers make dams. They've been making them for centuries. Birds make nests. Humans are the ones that look at something and say, I want this to be different. I want to put a house on the side of a, of a mountain. I want to put a house where no one has ever put a house before. You know, I look at this river. I want to put a bridge across this river. I wonder how we could do that. Niagara Falls, we can put a bridge across there. I want to go to the moon. Let's go, why don't we go there? Let's go to the moon. It's humans who do that because God put it in us to do that. You guys hear about the, the tunnel that they're uh, building in the Swiss Alps, that in 1992, the Swiss people passed a plan to build a 35 mile tunnel under the, under the Alps in order to protect their beautiful mountains and not have roads that go over top. They wanted to have a tunnel that would go underneath and, and somehow it would be different pollution or whatever. 35 mile tunnel under the Swiss Alps. They started building in 1996 a $10 billion project to create a tunnel under the Swiss Alps. And how they did that was with an enormous drill that would just shave through the rock. It would just spin and cut through the rock. 25 foot in diameter, this drill. 25 feet, cruising through. It would go and uh, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, this thing would drill through the rock in shifts of six hours. So there would be a crew that would, that would monitor this drill going through shifts of six hours, four times a day, all day. And in any given six hours, it would average about 11 feet. It would move about 11 feet as it would move forward. And, uh, and this, uh, this rock, uh, this drill started in 1996, and after 14 years, it has finally made it through the 35, the 35 miles. It started in on one end, started in another end, and then they finally met in the middle this past Friday. Woo! And it's, and it's this big old party. They cut it. It's the largest tunnel in the world. No animal would ever do that. <laughs> right? I mean, it's humans who do that kind of thing. It's humans who say, I want to have everything I could possibly imagine in one pretty little rectangle called an iPhone. I want everything to be right there. I want my calendar. I want my email. Birds don't do a lot of email. They Twitter, but they don't <laughs> Sorry. Uh, that, that just came to me. Sorry. but They, they want to get everything. I want to have my phone. I want to have everything right there with me. And then I want to have applications so that I can do an enormous number of things. I can uh, can have a variety of different fart sounds on this unit, or I can gather together with my peers and I can have full instrumentation to do a worship song. Everything that you heard here came came out of iPhone applications. Every instrument was an iPhone application. It's humans who say, is this possible? Is this possible? Because God has put it in us a desire to break new ground, to do something unique and wonderful with our lives. Sometimes we make huge mistakes. But good or bad, God put that in us. We're the only things in His creation that do that. This past week, my family and I made our um, first trip uh, to uh, to join temporarily the Disney cult in Southern California. Uh, this is the uh, place also known as Disneyland where people go and they all put on their, their black ears and yes, I will pay whatever you want. And, <laughs> and, and it's just this incredible experience there in, uh, in uh, Disneyland. It was our first time doing it. We went there for a couple days and uh, I was blown away, blown away. At how packed the place was. I mean, we figured it's our fall break. It's not their fall break. Who in their right mind is going to be able to go to Disneyland there? And uh, here it's a recession. Who can afford the tickets to go to Disneyland? It was packed. Packed. At one point, my wife and boys went to Space Mountain while I went with my five-year-old daughter uh, to uh, to the Dumbo ride. Fair trade, I think, there, uh... So we're 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 in the line for the Dumbo ride, and my daughter won't call it Dumbo because uh, she's not allowed to say the word dumb. She said that's a bad word, so she calls it mm-oh. And. <laughs> And she corrects me whenever I say, are you excited about the Dumbo ride? No, Daddy. Mm Oh, that's a bad word. And so we would do this. And here, I don't know if you've seen or remember the Dumbo ride, but you get on this thing. It goes up about three feet, and then it goes around in a circle about three times, and then it comes back down, and the whole thing takes about a minute and 13 seconds. We were in line for 45 minutes for the mm Oh ride. And I was surrounded. I just couldn't believe it. My daughter was fine. She was totally fine with the whole experience. I just couldn't believe it that all these "mm" people all around me are willing to stand for 45 minutes for that ride. And it's not like it's free. We already paid to get in the thing. I just didn't get it. I just don't get it. And the reason they get away with this year after year after year is that 50 years ago some guy named Walt Disney said, I want to create something that the world has never seen before. I want to create an amusement park that is more than just rides, it is a complete experience where every part of it, every plant, every garbage can, every part of it is just perfectly set up and it is a dream world for kids to enjoy from generations to generation and for my family to have a source of income that is more than anyone could possibly imagine or whatever his thinking was going on in that situation because somebody created by God, said, I want to create something new and different. We have been hardwired by God to create, to innovate, to build, to improve. That makes us unique as humans. That's really pretty cool, actually. There's a guy named Erwin McManus, who's a pastor in Southern California, and He's a real creative guy and last year, he and some buddies decided to join the Super Bowl Doritos commercial contest. I don't know if you remember this or see this, but uh, every year for the Super Bowl, uh, it's a brilliant idea that Doritos came up with where they'd have regular folks submit commercials and the winners would, so they don't even have to do any work. They make the United States do all the work and then they get to have all the attention. It's just brilliant. It sees somebody, it's a unique idea. It's brilliant, and so Doritos set this thing up, and the six finalists for the commercial contest actually played during the Super Bowl, and Erwin McManus' commercial was one of the six finalists. Here was his commercial. You may or may not remember it. So he puts this together. Again, he's a pastor in Southern California, and he writes books. Uh, He actually wrote one of... My favorite books that he wrote, we're going to talk about in a couple weeks. I'm going to talk about in the message here. But, but he's, a, he's kind of a known pastor. And so people in the Christian community, which is a group I sometimes don't like to be connected with, uh, uh, were kind of pouncing on him a little bit with this and saying, Why would you do such, such a thing? And you're making fun of the resurrection. And uh, well, where's the gospel story in that commercial? And what are you talking about? It's a commercial. It's a guy with a group of guys who said, let's do something creative and unique and fun. Let's just do it. Because God designed us to be able to think of new ideas. He was actually interviewed by USA Today, and they asked him that question. He said, why would you do this? You're a pastor. Why would you do this on the side? And he said, "He said I believe that if we Christians, followers of Christ, can do things better than the rest of the world, then we'll have a right to be heard. Oh. I like that. Why can't we, as followers of Christ, believe that we can be the best artists in the world? Why can't we, as followers of Christ, believe we can be the best engineers in the world? The best dads, the best moms, the the best teachers in the world. Not out of arrogance, not to say I'm better than you, but to say I have been gifted by the God who who mightily gives out gifts. And I'm going to do what God has created me to do in an amazing way that will get the attention of those around me for His glory. Why not? Perhaps one of the reasons we're resistant to that is that maybe we've read the book of Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes in the Old Testament, he says, uh, he says all is meaning, meaningless. All is meaningless. It's vain. All is vanity. It's meaningless. You try this, it's meaningless. There's nothing new under the sun. Nothing new under the sun. Sometimes we use that, if you're familiar with that phrase, with that concept, maybe we use that as an excuse not to be unique or creative. It's all the same. We're all just spinning around. There's nothing new under the sun. That's important to remember why the writer of Ecclesiastes is saying this he's not saying this is the way you're supposed to look at life he's trying to connect with those who do look at life that way who are struggling with life that way because the writer of Ecclesiastes is not in a good place he's ready to jump off a bridge a bridge that was perhaps uniquely made by somebody else he's not at a good place and God disagrees with Ecclesiastes. It doesn't mean that Ecclesiastes is not supposed to be in the Bible. It's there for a reason to stir us up. How do I feel about creativity? How do I feel about the meaning of life? But God says, I'm doing a new thing. I do new things, and I put that in you, and I'm encouraging and inspiring and inviting you to do new things. In uh, in the King James version of 1 Peter chapter 2 verse 9 it talks about uh, talks about us uh, those who are followers of, of Christ and says that we are to be peculiar it uses the word peculiar i love that word cuz some of you are really quite peculiar and i think it's a good description not me but some of you are really certainly in that in that category that peculiar it's okay to stand out it's okay to be unique see the norm in our world is to say when we're growing up Try to have sex as early as you possibly can. Try to to make that work with your relationships. It's fun. Go for it. Well, let's be peculiar there. Let's be unique in that area. The norm of the world is to get back at, is to be vengeful towards our enemies, towards those who have hurt us. But Jesus models something peculiar and unique. It says, love your enemies. The norm of the world with regard to marriage is that if you're no longer happy in your marriage, then just walk away. You can. It's legal. Just, why would you want to stay someplace when you're unhappy if you can go and find some other place where you can be happy? Let's be peculiar there. Let's redefine what it means to be committed. Let's find out how we can relight a fire in our marriage and remind ourselves why we fell in love with one another in the first place. The norm with regard to finances is is to just spend money whether you have it or not. You just put it on credit. You 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 don't have to have the money in order to spend it. Let's be peculiar there. Just a crazy financial idea. Don't spend money you don't have. Wow! Wouldn't that be unique? I think there's freedom. There's freedom in living out that kind of life. So, what dream have you perhaps had about the rest of your days? Maybe a dream that you had a long time ago. Maybe it was an adventure, a project, an idea, a concept, something that God laid inside you. Maybe you've told no one and it's been dormant for a long time. Maybe there's fear of entering into something unique because then you'll stand out. That's okay. It's not arrogant to stand out, it's not arrogant to be unique or self centered if that's what God has invited you to do, that is what God has put inside you, go for it. It's time to reopen those files. Don't be limited by your past, by those lies that say you can't do it, you don't have what it takes. Just let go of those former things, like verse 18 says, just just let it go. Because God wants to do a new and wonderful and unique and beautiful thing in your life. Would you just um, bow your heads with me as we pray through that? Father, I I believe that this idea of entering into the uniqueness of our roles is just going to be so different. It's going to be unique for each one here in the room. Once again, God, I pray that you just allow it to land as we as we close with one more worship song, as as we sing here, God, would it just land in a way that is is just right for each heart in this room? That you are in the business of restoring hearts. Maybe there's some here in this room who, who are living courageous lives, not afraid to do unique things, but maybe those things haven't been connected to your plan, your will. God, I pray that you would that you would draw that, that you would use that desire to do something unique, that you would draw that in towards what you're doing in the kingdom of God. And Father, maybe there are others here in this room who just believe that their role in life is just to stay behind the scenes, to never be noticed, to never stand out, but God, you want to do something surprisingly, wonderfully unique in them. God, I pray that you'd give us the courage to take a step forward trust in you. Fail or not fail, God, we want to trust you. In Jesus' name we pray.